Hello everyone and welcome to Always Choose Orange. So earlier today I was on a four hour car ride with a friend of mine and we were talking about a bunch of things and one of the things that came up was graphic novels. Um, and so I found out that he had read Watchmen and um, a few others and I've been on a gigantic graphic novel kick this year and so I wanted to talk about that because how I really got into really into graphic novels was by going on Reddit to the graphic novels subreddit so r slash graphic novels and they have this really incredible top 100 list that I've actually been reading my way through and I'm just over halfway so I've read 51 at least one volume of 51 of the entries on that list so I felt like, wow, this would make a really cool podcast episode. So today we are going to talk about graphic novels. And the agenda is, first I'll share about how I first got into graphic novels. And then we'll talk about what my biases and expectations were going into this top 100 list. Then a little bit about what my takeaways were. And then we'll end with some recommendations. So the first thing is my background with graphic novels. So I, when I was a kid, um, when I was nine years old, my brother and I were in Oregon with our cousins and we were playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on Sega, which we absolutely love that game. So we would play through Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and we just had a blast playing through that. And I remember we had just got home from that trip. I don't know if it was the same day or the next day, but we were at, uh, I think it was Rite Aid, so like a grocery store. And we were standing in line at the, uh, the checkout stand with our mom and we looked over and saw... Sonic the Hedgehog comic book and I remember begging begging my mom like please please can I get this I really want to read it like I love Sonic and so she bought me uh actually two issues so it was Sonic the Hedgehog number 64 and Sonic Kids which was like a special episode or special issue where um it was like the Sonic and Tails and all them as kids and I went home and just fell in love uh, with comics but the funny part is is I never got into any other comics I just read like probably 150 Sonic the Hedgehog comics and I collected those and I actually still have a box right to the left of me in the room that I'm in just full of Sonic the Hedgehog comics because they just have a special place in my heart but yeah what's funny is I never got into superhero comics or anything like that like I remember my uncle one of my uncles um, we'd go over to, to his house and he would show us a few of his old, I think, like X-Men comics and stuff. And then I believe my dad actually had a few too. Like I remember flipping through like a Green Lantern comic, um, something like that. But I just never got into him. I liked the color of Sonic the Hedgehog and just you know, fell in love with, with those characters. But that was my only exposure that I can remember to comic books as a kid. Um, aside from Captain Underpants, like if you count Captain Underpants as a comic book, then for sure I dove into some Captain Underpants. But that was that was really it. And I read Sonic the Hedgehog comics until probably about seventh grade um, and just got into other stuff more. Got into music a lot, um, watching more movies, playing more video games. All that stuff kind of took up my time um, in and just stopped subscribing to the comic books and just part of it was probably the age too like I think I moved out of just an age where I appreciated those stories so that was that was the extent of it until about college so my senior year of college um in one of my classes we read uh American Born Chinese 
which is a really cool graphic novel. I think it's won some awards. Really good. Read through that in a, in a class, had some discussions on it, and I thought that was really, really cool. So then over, over the next, gosh, I think four years from that, I probably read three graphic novels, and they were all adaptations of books that I like. So I read Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, the adaptation of that, um, the first sort of volume, I guess, of the Dragonlance saga, um, the adaptation of that, and then a graphic novel adaptation of Redwall by uh, Brian Jocks, which I love, or Brian Jakes, gosh. Um, and those were all really cool, but, you know, that was kind of it. And then I remember being on Tumblr, and I was looking at different art on Tumblr, and I came across um, just some art that blew my mind. It was really colorful. It was just beautiful. I was like, what is this? Who made this? And I figured out it was Mobius, which is a really famous... Um, French artist, um, creator of really renowned, influential graphic novels. And I remember thinking, I need to get some of this man's work. And so I looked up a little bit of it on Google just to realize like, okay, this guy is a, you know, was a graphic novel artist. So I remember I was living in Chicago at the time and I worked downtown at a coffee shop. And after work, I walked over to right around Millennium Park and I went to this comic book shop over there and I walk in the door and I remember asking them when they asked me, you know, what are you looking for today? Is there anything we can help you find? I said, yeah, I'm looking for anything by Mobius. Do you guys have anything by him? And they kind of laughed and were like, well, that stuff is out of print in the US and is going to cost you a fortune to, to buy. So I was disappointed and I didn't really think anything of it. But what happened, unbeknownst to me, was that uh, Dark Horse was actually reprinting certain Mobius volumes. And so the first one that they, they reprinted in English was The World of Edna. And so in May 2017, I learned about that somehow and bought it, I think on Amazon or something, and got it and brought it on a trip that my wife and I and our um, young son, he was a couple months, he might have been like, a, he was pretty young, a couple months old. Um, and we brought, and I brought that graphic novel up to, to a cabin near Mount Rainier in Washington where we were living at the time and read through the whole story and was just blown away by it, by the art first and foremost, but also like the dreamlike story and some of the images and motifs in it were really, they really spoke to me at the time. And it was really cool to read it in nature because a lot of that story is reconnecting with nature after being in a really technological sort of advanced society. So I read that. It was incredible. But I believe at the time that was the only super easily accessible um, volume of Mobius's work. The Inkle was probably around, but I hadn't heard of that at that point. So the next year I read another graphic novel by Lights, who um, is a musician that I listened to a lot of her work and really like, and she was re releasing an album called Skin and Earth, and she made a graphic novel that she drew and wrote herself to go along with it. And it was it was really cool. What I really liked about it was it had a QR code at the top of each chapter that corresponded to one of the songs on the album, so you could listen to this piece of music that was intertwined with the images, and I thought that was really really cool and really really inspiring, but. Again, that was probably the only graphic novel I read until about 
2021, midway through the year, um, something turned me on to the Inco. So that's Mobius and Alejandro Hodorowski. And um, I read the Inco and really, really liked it. And that got me into what else is out there? Like what other types of graphic novels, manga, I was just open to all of it because I it never really clicked for me until I read The Ankle, I think. I loved The World of Eden and I loved Skin and Earth as I read them. But when I read The Ankle, something clicked. It really showed me that graphic novels, I guess I, I never really had that view of like, oh, comic books aren't art or they're a low, lower form of art than fine literature or whatever. I didn't really ever feel that way. But I never saw the full potential of the medium until I read The Ankle. It just blew me away. And especially at the end of the story, I felt like a giant transformation had happened and it, it really, really moved me. And it there's actually a little bit of like a spiritual element to it, which I was really surprised by and thought was really cool. So then I, I read a few more throughout that year, um, some really cool stuff. But t- 2022, I just really hit the gas on getting into graphic novels. I read um, Making Comics and Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. And we'll talk more about that later in the episode. But those helped me understand the craft of comics, graphic novels, manga on a level that I hadn't ever understood before. And that helped me appreciate it more. I'm someone who, when I realize how something works, it helps me love it more. So I really got into it and read Throughout that year, gosh, I probably read 30 graphic novels. I read some more Mobius. I read a really cool adaptation of Beowulf, The Handmaid's Tale, an adaptation of that that was really, really great. I read um, One Punch Man, the first volume of that manga, which was great. I read P. Craig Russell's version of Ring of the Nibelung. Um And I just, I had a blast. I was really falling in love with graphic novels. And then uh, earlier in 2023, in February, I decided that I wanted to learn about what are the most esteemed and highly acclaimed graphic novels. So I went on Reddit, went and found our graphic novels and found that they had a top 100 list of everybody's favorite graphic novels uh, from the sub. And they sort of put it together that way. And the list is really cool. I will link to it in the description so you can take a look at it because that's going to be super relevant to what we continue to talk about in the episode. So I started reading through that list. And what I would do was I set a couple ground rules for myself. The first ground rule was I am going to mark something off the list if I read at least one volume of it. I'm not trying to read the whole volume of everything on this list of 100 entries because number one, 100 things by itself is a lot, but reading some of these series are huge. Like so, they're like, yeah, that just would take months to read the whole thing of it. I'm, and I'm a, a fast reader. So I said, if I read one volume, I get the idea, I get the feeling that this is going for and I feel comfortable crossing that off. I also said, I'm not going to read these in order. I'm just going to read, I'm going to look at the list, pick one, and just read whatever I feel like it. And I also kind of had to deal with myself. I was like, I don't want it to feel oppressive. It's supposed to be fun. So if I wanted to take a break, I would just take a break and read something else. Or if something led me onto a tangent, if I really resonated with a certain author or illustrator, just follow the breadcrumbs and see what happens. So it was a really cool process right off the bat. Um, And I think I had already read 
some entries on the list. I know I'd already read The World of Eden. Uh, um, that might have been the only one that I had already read when I started. But I had um, some biases going in and some expectations. I thought that superhero comics were going to be my least favorite. I was convinced that as I went in and started reading these graphic novels that I was just going to not like it. Um, that they were going to feel stale and boring or corny or whatever. And I was just convinced that I was not going to like them. I also wasn't sure about how I was going to react to manga because I never had really gotten to anime. I'd played a few JRPGs, so fan Final Fantasy, I'd played a tiny bit. My brother was really into it. And then I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, uh, but that was about the extent of that. And then watched Dragon Ball Z in 6th and 7th grade and really enjoyed that. But that was the extent of, and I think watched Zoids a little bit, but hadn't been super into anime until about 2016, watched Norigami, which I really enjoyed. And then I think I'd watched a tiny bit of One Punch Man and Code Geass with my brother, but not something I'd super delved into. Something I'd kind of written off as not in my taste, to be honest. And manga, I didn't enjoy because I didn't like black and white art at the time. I just was convinced that, no, I'm, I don't like manga. I don't like stories that are in black and white. I prefer color. I'm just not going to enjoy this. And it's funny. So those were the biggest biases I had was no superheroes, no black and white, and no manga. Um, and I was in for a lot of surprises. So I've read through, as of the recording of this podcast, I have read through 51, at least one volume of 51 of these 100 entries. So I'm at about the halfway point and I wanted to share the big surprises and takeaways that I've had going through these because it's been so much different than I ever imagined. The first thing was that bias against superhero comics was, it was interesting. It was definitely unfounded. So the first superhero graphic novel I read was Kingdom Come, which is a really cool story about some of the original superheroes, Superman, um, I think Batman. It's been a little while since I read it. This was one of the first ones I read on the list. But they sort of have retired from being heroes and they come back to find all these new heroes who aren't guided by any sort of moral compass and they're causing all this destruction with their powers and so these new the old heroes have to confront the new heroes about that. The art is really beautiful. Uh, Alex Ross did it. Um, great, great art. Um, the story was just okay to me. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. There was a panel at the end that just gave me absolute chills, but I think I would need to talk. I could talk for a long time about that, so we're not going to touch on that right now. But that was, it was okay. But then I read Batman Year One, and immediately I just had to sort of <laughs> repent. I was like, I am sorry that I wrote off superhero comics and graphic novels. I was wrong. Batman Year One was absolutely incredible. And then I read Batman The Long Halloween and The Dark Knight Returns, and all, all three of those, so Year One, Long Halloween, and Dark Knight Returns, I thought were absolutely phenomenal. I really, really found that I love Batman comics. I love the grittiness. I love how he's a very human superhero as opposed to Superman. So Superman is one I had probably the biggest issue with going into it. My bias against Superman was, okay, you have this basically all-powerful guy who, in order to make a compelling story about him, he essentially has to be 
weakened or be losing his powers in order for a story to work. So I went in to reading All-Star Superman, which was on the list, and I thought, I was convinced I was going to hate it. And I read, the version I read was split into two volumes. So there was volume one and volume two. Volume one, I was super engaged. It was incredible. Second half, still good, but I would say was just okay. The art's amazing. The story was actually interesting, even though it kind of does play into that Superman's weakening type thing. But again, you kind of have to because how else are you going to have a compelling story about a person who is borderline invincible? So that was a pleasant surprise. So I've probably read five or six or maybe, no, probably more now because I read some that weren't on the list, but quite a few superhero graphic novels that were really good. So if you have that bias of hey, I don't like superhero stuff, give it a chance because you actually might. I was convinced I wasn't going to. Another big surprise was on the list, there is a lot of inclusions of um, an author named Rick Remender. And, you know, a lot of people on the R Graphic Novels sub love this guy and love his writing. And I read, um, oh man, what was the one that I read by him? Black Science. I oh it was excruciating. It was in the bottom three of this list. I did not enjoy it whatsoever. So I you know everybody has different tastes, um, but I did not enjoy that. And I thought that was really you know I was kind of disappointed because this was somebody who's on the list so much and was held in such high regard. And maybe it was just that story. So I'll have to give some of the rest of his work a chance, which are in the remaining forty nine um, entries that I haven't read yet. Um, Moving on to manga, it surprised me how much um, I liked some of the pieces on the list that I didn't expect to. One of those was Lone Wolf and Cub. So I was at a thrift store in Washington while I was out uh, visiting some, some family, and I saw the first volume of Lone Wolf and Cub, and I looked at it, and I knew it was on this list, and it was a great price, so I went and bought it. But I was looking at it, and I was like, this looks so familiar. Why why? Where have I seen this before? And I had this vision of my best friend's bathroom. And I was like, why am I thinking of their bathroom? And I realized that from probably like junior high through high school, they had the exact same copy of Lone Wolf and Cub volume one in their bathroom. And I had never read it. And I've seen it hundreds of times at their house. Every time we spent the night and I was brushing my teeth, I remember seeing it or whatever. And I read it and it was amazing. It was really, really good. And another manga surprise was I did not expect to like One Piece as much as I do. I had already sort of written it off as like, ah, it's One Piece. It's stereotypical manga. I'm not going to like this. I read the first three volumes and I was legitimately laughing. I was engaged. I think if the rest of the series is as good as these first three volumes, I feel like it's a masterpiece and I fully understand the hype. So that was a really pleasant surprise. Another thing that really was a pleasant surprise was I got used to reading graphic novels and manga in black and white pretty quickly. Like I said, I had brushed that off, but it just took some getting used to and some familiarity. And it wasn't that hard to get used to. So I'm really pleased about that because I would have written off a whole lot of 
beautiful work if I had refused to 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 dabble into the the black and white space. So again, if that's an issue, try it because there's some incredible stuff. You get to see the power of the line in black and white in a way that you don't necessarily see in color because the color kind of draws your eye away from the beautiful line work. And what really got me into black and white drawing and becoming comfortable with that was some of Mobius's work that was only in black and white. Um, he has a version of the airtight garage, um, which was on the list that was in black and white. And there's a color version too. Both are really cool. Um, very different experiences. And then, um, one of his pieces that's not quite translated into English yet, but it's coming next year is Le Major, aka The Major. Um, I flipped through that and it was really good. And then um, there was um, another one with Major Gruber in it. I can't, I can't remember the name. It was a French name that I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce correctly, but it was a phenomenal story. And those got me more comfortable with the black and white. And then so once I dove into some of the manga like Lone Wolf and Cub and One Piece, I was totally comfortable with black and white art. I expect to catch a little bit of friendly flack for this one amongst graphic novel friends, but uh, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn was really high up on the list. I read volume one and I did not like it. I think it was well done. It wasn't like it was a bad story or anything like that, but I just did not, for something being in the top 10, possibly top five, I don't have the list right in front of me, I didn't, I didn't get the hype, but again, everyone has different tastes and maybe the series gets better too. I just read volume one to be fair, and there's a lot of volume, so I don't want to completely write it off, but yeah, Saga was not my favorite. If you're a fan of it, maybe let me know why and if it gets better after the first one and whether I should keep going. Some of these Graphic novels and manga really put me out of my comfort zone. We're just things that I am not super comfortable reading. I'm not into horror. I don't like really depressing things. I prefer art. The art that really speaks to me needs to have some redemptive quality for the most part. So there was some stuff like Uzumaki, Goodnight Pun Pun, and even Black Hole that really put me out of my comfort zone. Uzumaki is a horror uh, manga. Goodnight Pun Pun is one of the most cynical, sort of depressing, bleak views on humanity ever. And Black Hole kind of goes through a lot of really heavy themes. But you know what? I gave them a fair shot, and I enjoyed them a lot more than I thought I would. Uzumaki, I admittedly made it about three or 400 pages into it, which is like 600 pages, I believe. And... I read a lot of it, but there's a lot of body horror and it's focused around these ideas of spirals and it got to a point where I just, I could not do it. And I gave it a really fair shot though. And I would still say it's, it's a phenomenal piece of art. It's just the horror. I just, I can't do it. I'm sensitive. I don't want to close my eyes and start seeing grotesque things. And I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, Good night, pun pun. I read the first volume, man, I really wanted to keep reading it. I finished the whole first volume. I wanted to keep reading the series, but it was so bleak. And I could t it just had this feeling the whole time, like things were going to keep going wrong for this character. And I knew if I keep reading this, it's just going to really put me in a dark place. So I went on Wikipedia and I looked like, does it get better? Nope, <laughs> it does not get better. So I read volume one, quit there, 
but I have to say it was very well done. Just not not my wheelhouse. Black Hole, on the other hand, I thought was I actually really liked it. I finished the whole thing and I really enjoyed it. It has a little bit of a horror edge to it. Um, it's about these teens um, who sort of there's this, like this it's like a STD that like turns them into monsters in a way. Um, and it's kind of about that. It's kind of a coming age thing, sort of like a graduating from high school, what that age range feels like. It's bizarre and I didn't expect to like it, but it was it was really good. It actually ended up being one of my favorites on the list and I totally had written it off. So I think that was a really cool thing was like I am really glad that I read so many things that put me out of my comfort zone and gave them a fair shot um, just to see you know, if my taste would stay the same. And I'd say it, it definitely expanded. Uh, but at the same time, it did reinforce like, no, there are things that I like in literature and art. And that's fine. Like I, I can have my, my own taste and everyone else can have their own taste. And there's enough space in the, in the world for that. So some other takeaways and some some people, you know, if you're looking through that list, what are the must reads? So I have read, like I said, 51 of them. And to me, the the best ones are um, Asterios Polyp by David Mazzuccelli. Um, he is the guy who illustrated Batman Year One. Um, and Asterios Polyp is a really artistic and intellectual graphic novel um it kind of deals with this pretentious architecture professor and sort of his journey and like dealing with this sort of failed relationship and how he gains some self-awareness and, and deals with that really really good definitely check that out black hole by charles burns um which i was just speaking on that's it was really really great um that one's in black and white really incredible line work um definitely definitely worth checking out batman year one amazing definitely check it out even if you hate superhero um comics in graphic novels it's really great frank miller wrote it really acclaimed acclaimed writer and um david mazzuccelli who did asterios polyp did the um the drawings in it then um the inkle i'm a big mobius fan hodorowski the film director um who has written actually a lot of graphic novels too um wrote it it's not for everyone it's definitely very 80s sci-fi mixed with sort of like esoteric spirituality and stuff so if you're looking for something that has a really strong coherent plot i would stay away from that but if you are open to more you know avant-garde dream sequency sort of symbolism and really cool art definitely give the ankle a shot Another one that just blew me away was Blankets by Craig Thompson. I wept uncontrollably reading it. It is utterly phenomenal. It's um, based on his actual life and it kind of deals with, um, it deals with sort of obsession and faith. Um, and so it has to do with a relationship. It has to do with him sort of, dealing with um, his beliefs in God and how that plays into his relationship. And it's a really cool, really, really cool graphic novel. That one is a must, must read. 
Um, and the next one I would recommend was The Now of Brown by uh, Glenn Dillon. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It might be Glenn Dillon. I don't know how to, how to completely pronounce it, uh, his name, but wow, that one is amazing. He It's drawn all in watercolor. Um, it's the story of a woman with sort of intrusive thoughts about harming people. And um, it kind of ties that in with some Buddhist lessons that she undergoes and kind of how she, um, how she deals with that. It's a really powerful story. Love that. The next one that I recommend, Essex County by Jeff Lemire. Um, really, really good um, stories, um, I believe, from his life growing up in um, rural Canada, um, like sort of above the Midwest United States, that area of Canada. Um, really beautiful line work, beautiful art, beautiful writing, um, just kind of sort of these melancholy, nostalgic reflections on growing up. And I think it would really speak to people who grew up in a rural setting or who want to understand what that's like. Um, the next recommendation, Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, wow. It was so, so good. I really want to read the rest of that series. That's by, um, I'm going to do my absolute best on the pronunciation, Kazuo Koke and Goseki Kojima, and it is awesome, um, about a samurai with his son, um, and they're traveling around, and that's about probably all I'll say, but it's really, really good. The next one is one I actually should have said at the beginning, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. This is really cool if you're interested in the craft of how comics and graphic novels and manga are created, about how to transition from panel to panel, all the thought that goes into that, visual character depictions, um, just everything you can imagine about the craft of comics. Scott McCloud breaks it down in a really easy and it's a comic about making comics, which is really, really cool. Definitely, definitely read that. If you're into craft, if you're not into craft, that might be one you want to skip. Um, the next one, All-Star Superman, Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. And it's, it's beautiful. I really wanted to hate it, guys. So bad. I wanted to hate it. It's It was incredible. Check that out. Um, the next one that I found really surprising that I liked was uh, Cerebus by Dave Sim and Gerhard. And there's a lot of controversy around it because the creator of it started putting in just sort of like really left field and harmful ideas really later into the series there's 300 issues of it um and they're condensed into i don't know the exact number but somewhere around 14 or 15 i think giant sort of omnibuses um they call them like the cerebus phone books i have only read the beginning of the series i guess it starts going downhill into like the around halfway point i think so i have not got to that point it's really acclaimed there's a lot of really cool things in it the next one i recommend is the airtight garage by mobius and the world of eden by mobius but again if you were looking for a tight narrative you know three act or seven act structure story that's going to take you through the hero's journey mobius is not for you mobius is for people who want to see really cool art dream sequences, weird sort of almost psychedelic stories, but really beautiful. They do have emotion and um, just beautiful art. The last one is 
Namona by N.D. Stevenson. It is utterly incredible, hilarious, adorable, just a really, really feel-good graphic novel. So those, to me, of the 51 that I've dove into are absolutely must-reads. Um, if you're just into incredible artwork and innovative paneling, there's a couple others I would recommend. Um, Sandman Overture by Neil Gaiman and J.H. Williams III is one of the most wild rides of any of these graphic novels. The art is just incredible. The story is really cool too, but I have not read the rest of Sandman. Aside, I've read a little bit of Sandman, a few different volumes, but there's a lot of Sandman. Um, and I would love to read the whole thing, but I just haven't got there yet. But Overture was incredible. J.H. Williams III's art, amazing. Neil Gaiman's story, amazing. That's a recommendation. Building Stories by Chris Ware. So this one we could do a whole episode on. But basically, Chris Ware is just a really innovative artist. Beautiful, beautiful work. Um, he released this, <laughs> I guess you could call it a graphic novel, but it's way more that. It's like comes in a giant box like you bought like Candyland or Monopoly or something and you open it and there's like 14 different pieces of writing in it some are more traditional and look like an actual comic or graphic novel and then some are just like one of them looks like a game board and there's all sorts of stuff in there and you read the story in any order and it's about these people who live in this building in Chicago and it's their different stories and there's kind of this overarching sort of melancholy weave throughout it I read a lot of it. I did not finish it because there's a lot in that box. And it was beautiful. Um, but again, if you're looking for a really, <laughs> again, <laughs> a cohesive narrative, that is probably not going to be your cup of tea. The last one from an art perspective that I thought was really cool was Frank by Jim Woodring. It's a really sort of psychedelic, symbolism-heavy really cartoony um, collection of, uh, I guess you would call them comics. I don't know if they would be considered comics or um, panels or, or what it is, but that, that one was really cool too. Um, I do think it's worth calling out the ones that I advise against reading, but again, everybody has their own taste. And so, you know, feel free to ignore, ignore my take on it. My least favorite one that I read was Sin City by Frank Miller. And the reason I didn't like it is because I did not care for the way, and I just read the first volume, and I did not care for the way that Frank Miller does his his art and just the amount of violence and just sort of depraved things that happen in it with no slight spoiler, so skip ahead like, 30 seconds if you are going to read the first one but it's just not a redemptive ending like he he tries to get revenge for this prostitute dying and then he goes around killing a bunch of people and then at the very end he's unrepentant and basically gets electrocuted via the electric chair and you just read it and you're like why why did i just read this like there was nothing here um of value so I advise against that one, personally. Um, I also didn't care for Black Science by Rick Remender um, and Dean White and uh, Matteo Scalera. Those are the people who helped with the artwork. Um, didn't care for it. 
I, I didn't like the writing style, didn't like the story. Um, the artists were talented, but I didn't care for their style. So I would advise against Black Science as well. Um, Upgrade Soul by Ezra Clayton Daniels wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. Kind of cool art, didn't really care for the story. Um, just didn't wasn't super gripping. Um, those I would say are the main ones that I didn't care for. Everything else um, and Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. But again, I only read the first volume and people swear it's incredible but that one wasn't my thing either um there's a lot of good stuff on this list i probably should have put day tripper um by gabriel ba and fabio moon um in my recommendations that was incredible but what was really fascinating about it is i actually read that one twice that was one of the first ones i read and i just didn't get it for whatever reason it didn't click and then i read it for a second time and was like this is amazing it's about an obituary writer and it shows like kind of these potential lives um, that he lives. It sort of has that sort of reincarnation story type thing and it's beautiful. So I recommend that as well. So that is really all I wanted to say about graphic novels today. I just want to say if you're on the fence and I've never read one and I'd written them off, check one out. Go to the link um, in the description pull up that top 100 list and pick something that sounds cool. Um, and if you don't want to invest the money in one of the books, check out your local library. Um, they have a great selection for the most part usually. And you can you know, check out one of these books and spend the time reading it because it's cool. And it's cool to have the visual component of art. It's cool to have that sort of fusion between visual art and sort of a more literary work and it's just something that I'm really glad I dove into. I'm looking forward to reading the other 49 graphic novels on the list. And we'll do another episode when that's done. And I'll kind of share what else I got out of it. But if nothing else, I hope that you check out at least one of these amazing graphic novels. And um, I'd love to talk to some of the writers and artists on this channel in the future. So I'm, I'm going to make that happen. But uh Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next episode.